Madison Story Slam podcast. I am your host, Adam Rosted. But of course, you knew that. You're not a new listener. But you know, if you are a new listener, you might want to go back and check out the episode with Scott Resnick. I say that because Scott is running for mayor of Madison. And our guest today, Bridget Maniachi, is also running for mayor of Madison. Bridget grew up in the area. She grew up in some prairie, which I also grew up in that area. I am a robot. Anyway, Bridget and I talk about Madison and her views and and her plan for the city if elected mayor. We talk about a venue on the east side of Madison, which could be exciting. We also talk about certain neighborhoods in Madison that uh, have a lot of potential. Here's Bridget and I at Johnson Public House. Welcome to Madison Story Slam podcast. Uh, my guest today is uh, Bridget Maniachi, who is running for mayor here in Madison. Uh, you may know Bridget from her stint on the Madison City Council. How long were you on the City Council? Four years. Four years. From yes. when to when? Uh, 2009 to 2013. Okay. April to April. How old were you when you uh, got elected? I was 25 when I was elected. I was two years out of uh, UW. Okay. Big accomplishment for you? Yeah, I'd say. I beat the eight-year incumbent in a five-way primary. And who was that? Uh, Brenda Kunkel. That's right. That's yes. right. Uh, so, um, well, let's jump right into it. Like, sure. uh, and if, if I if you see me on my phone, it's just because I'm looking up something to talk about. <laughs> that sounds it's good. It's not because I'm answering text. That sounds good. Um, I'll have to quickly give a plug for Johnson Public House for having us. So yes, absolutely. I, thank you. I usually do that. I usually thank them. Their, um, the, uh, their first event was my election night party. Really? In, in 2011. Oh, very yeah. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and this was your district, right? This was my district. Yep. Yeah. The East Dismiss here. Okay. Yeah, because we're we're on Johnson Street for yeah. all the our good listeners. That's we have right. to describe the nine oh eighty. Um, so, how does uh, how does Bridget, Bridget Maniachi become uh, an older person? Like, what, what yeah. was the journey there? Punk rock is the the quick answer. Sure. Um, I was a college journalist uh, doing um, arts writing, photography for the Daily Cardinal. I had photographed Mayor Dave at a number of events. Ran into him at the Juneteenth Day celebration. Yeah, um, and. Um, said, hey, Dave, my summer internship fell through. Do you need an intern? He's like, oh, yeah, come on in. Come talk to George, my press guy. Sure. So uh, they had somebody for the summer for the Aspire internship program. And then in uh, August, they got a hold of me and said, yeah, you want to come in for the year? Cool. So I uh, came in and interned in the mayor's office uh, three to five days a week. Um, in the spring then, uh, Dave was running for re-election. So by day, I was um, volunteering in City Hall in the mayor's office. And by night, I was volunteering over on the campaign. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, that was my my last year, not my, my super senior year of yeah. school, <laughs> and uh, started thinking, oh, well, well, would I ever want to run for office? Would I ever want to do something like this? And sure. I think it's really important for uh, young adults to have those mentors in your life to kind of show you the ropes um, and to give you that avenue to try to get out there and explore and find out um, what you want to do in life. And I found City Hall was fantastic. I had interned previously in the state capitol for Tom Hebel, who is the, um, well, his brother Gary is now the state rep for that district. Um, uh, Tom was the Sun Prairie uh, state rep, and he, um, um, like, I went to school with his stepkids. We, you know, kind of knew each other. Uh, When we had moved to Sun Prairie in 1994, um, we bought our house from Tom and Patty. So there's kind of a social connection. And I just walked into the capitol and said, hey, Tom, do you need an intern? And he was fantastic. 
his staff was awesome. Um, but I saw a lot of the state capital culture, and I started okay. sort of rethinking life about <laughs> do I want to go into politics? And sure. So I, I started focusing more on photojournalism um, and looking at that. My um, uncle John, um, John Maniachi, uh, was a photographer for the State Journal. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how I found myself in City Hall and yeah. started thinking about this. I was always very passionate about history and politics. Um, always kind of, we had the paper every morning and mm-hmm. we just kind of got into like always picking up the paper and reading it. Yeah. Um, I found when I was in City Hall covering beat assignments for the Cardinal, like the ALRC meetings, I realized very quickly, like I didn't like being a fly in the wall. Mm. Um, I wanted to be at the table. I wanted to be part of the conversation. Totally. Um, Jim Vandehey from Politico came and guest lectured a class that Kathy Kramer Walsh was teaching. Okay. Um, that last, in my last year of school, right as Politico was launching. And I asked him, I, uh, I asked Jim Vandehey that question about, well, don't you ever get, you know, you're, you, when you're the journalist, you just have to be the fly in the wall. And he gave a very eloquent defense of why the press is important, why there is very much a need for journalists, um, and how they really are um, integral to the uh, public policy and mm-hmm. political process. Um, so uh, I thought that was fantastic, and it gave me good perspective um, of how you could do it. Also, um, more props to them for getting Politico off the ground, because yeah. especially like spring of 2007, the internet and the future journalism was very much up in the air. Yeah, that was um, in limbo. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of my friends, the uh, classmates of mine at UW who worked at the Cardinal, who've succeeded in establishing careers in journalism, uh, graduated a couple years ahead of me, like 05, 06, sure. like 04, 05. Those folks kind of got in under the wire <laughs> before everything sort of imploded. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so it sounded like um, you kind of got into City Hall and then it just, Alderperson is kind of a, a good place to start Yeah. Uh, yeah. your political career. Christopher Daly should totally run for Alder. Yeah. Can I just say that? Yeah. Like, especially if you look across the city, there were two city council races this year that only one person stepped up to run. Sure. And there were a number of incumbents who didn't have any challenges at all. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's very important that we have good young people. Um, I was in a conversation last night um, with some folks after the debate talking about that, about the need for places for folks to get their feet wet and, and start their careers. And I, I have seen within Dane County how it can be very frustrating okay. and there's very few people there to sort of take you under their wing. Sure. Um, I think it's sort of a nature of this is kind of a shark tank Yeah. Uh, locally. And, yeah, I was going to say, I, th- yeah. I feel like uh, more so in Madison, like, oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, some of the things I've heard about uh, Mayor Soglin is is that um, I, I can't imagine he would be the kind of guy who wants to take somebody under his wing. No. And, you know, and I was, I had a very good relationship with Paul. He had endorsed me for my city council race. Yeah. Um, there were points where I was talking more with him than I was with Dave. And I really thought that he could come into City Hall and be like that. Sure. Right? Especially since I had had that experience with Dave kind of doing that. 
um, that I thought that it would be very natural for Paul with his years of experience yeah. to really look to say, okay, well, I'm going to come back in and be mayor again, but like, you know, I sort of, forgive me for thinking like, sort of take the attitude of, well, but I won't be here forever, so I want to bring the next generation yeah. up. Yeah, that, but, but that you know, doesn't seem to be quite how it's uh, how it's been going. That's kind of just uh, how dynasties work, I, and yeah. I don't necessarily want to call Paul's uh, probably should. run as mayor, but I mean, it, yeah, it, it, is, it is a dynasty. Except, you know? Well, except that there's been no heir. There's been no passing of the yeah. torch. Yeah. Yeah. And But I imagine for somebody who's in that kind of position, um, whether it be as mayor or the headmaster of a school or what have you, anything, it's probably pretty hard to uh, let it go. Perhaps, but we have had other mayors yes. over the years. Yes. Uh, what I do find interesting, though, is that Paul has only ever run against sitting incumbent mayors. Sure. And so some of the comments that I got when I started talking with folks about this was, whoa, well, why don't you wait your turn? Why don't you wait until he's not running? Why don't you huh. wait until, you know? And I thought, isn't that quite the double standard? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, especially for what I really feel like is going on in City Hall, or frequently not going on in City Hall, the the lack of attention to detail, the lack of um, just presence on issues. There's so many committee meetings where his staff didn't show up. I will give out the one awesome, well, two, two props to um, Katie Crowley, who came on to his staff, um, had worked for Feingold for many years, yeah. had actually supported Dave. Sure. Um, but then when Paul came into office, uh, he offered her a job. And Katie, Katie's been very great to work with. I feel like you find that a lot, though. Uh, people jumping ship to, to get a job. You know uh, what I mean? Perhaps. I, I, I don't know. I, but <laughs> I, so Katie was always good, but she was sort of not of the Paul camp. Sure. Right? Um, and then uh, Gloria, who just came into his office to fill a vacancy, had worked for many years and has been a very respected member of the Madison Police Department. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, th- those two those two ladies I will give the exception to. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's good to give credit. It, uh, it is. Where it's due. I, I would love I would love more of that up in City Hall. I was, Absolutely. I, you know, part of it is you look at this neighborhood and you look at the success of the Capitol East Corridor. And uh, not only has the mayor stepped up to try to take credit for things that he actively fought me against, yeah. like the grocery store, mm-hmm. right? He wanted a very bad deal for the city. ULI had a proposal that was three and four story office buildings with a 10 year build out with no uh, commitments past phase two with surface parking lots, right? And I had to, uh, I, you know, I had to fight like hell for my neighbors um, to have that opportunity to try to steer, get the train off the really bad tracks that they were on. Yeah. Um, I'm very concerned with some of the other deals that, it, you know, and last night we went, uh, we, you know, we went back and forth and toe-to-toe a bit. You know, it's completely hypocritical of the mayor to try to slam me for $16 million for the Edgewater when he's giving $13 million to the Anchor Bank yeah. uh, project that originally came to the city for a renovation mm-hmm. and asked for no TIF money mm-hmm. at all. And then they came back and had expanded and then suddenly wanted, and their, their original ask it was thirty million dollars? Yeah, and and it, that was you know so it's completely hypocritical. Um, 
there's but there's so much on East Wash and the corridor that we've been working very hard on that under Dave's term we we positioned a lot of properties on right sure and now that everything's great and rosy you know suddenly it's it's the mayor's vision the mayor's project and yeah. and so forgive me for standing up for the work being down in the trenches in some really kind of dog fights to yeah. get good things to happen um, but isn't isn't that sort of the way it goes in politics where yeah, where it doesn't have the per, the per, to but, it, so, it, it, but it, it is the way it goes it, it, where yeah. the person in office is the person in office will take credit for the good things right. that are that are what, what's that the are phrase right um, now and then, success and then blame, has a thousand fathers and defeat yeah. is an orphan yeah exactly yeah. They'll, they'll blame the the bad stuff on the previous person right uh, you know so right. I, I see your point but I mean I just don't see that ever changing uh, no in, in politics but um, but I think we need to hold our, our politicians to a higher standard I agree I agree wholeheartedly and I and I am excited about a younger generation coming up uh, I've, I'm sure everybody has felt this way throughout all of history about their generation uh, right. becoming right the, the leaders of their cities of their world you know and we're an antsy like antsy like feisty generation yeah you know? yeah absolutely <laughs> um, so we will get back to politics yeah. but uh, I, and I'll just say it like I, I'm an, I'm a millennial it was very interesting the League of Women Voters the the mayor claimed he was a millennial yeah and I, I almost like spit out like the soda I was drinking going what what do you even know what a millennial is Paul yeah like how like if, for those who might be listening who don't know a millennial is somebody generationally who was born about 1983 to yeah. about the mid 90s yeah right yeah so to hear the 69 year old mayor claim to be a millennial uh, I'm sorry we got yeah. some problems yeah. up in City there's, Hall there's a disconnect there uh, so you uh, grew up in some prairie uh, yeah a mix. for the most part yeah I mean, um, so born in Madison yeah um, my father had just finished up his master's at UW uh, got a job at uh, down in Milwaukee we moved down there when I was a little kid um, lived on Washington Boulevard I'm so sorry uh, yeah. that you had to live in Milwaukee hey no, you know I, it's great and I, you know what, I, what I, always I have really that, cool memories of the, bl- the boy blue Okay. Every right and yeah, the big, yeah. like the boy blue. Like, I, yeah. What I always say is, um, I love Milwaukee for the most part. There are yeah. certain parts that I absolutely yeah. love. Do you, do you remember what the yeast used to smell like when you drive, like coming in downtown? You no. hit the underpass. See, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so you were in Milwaukee. Yeah, and then um, uh, we had a duplex, and um, then there were by that point there were three kids, so we got an old, like an old like nineteen fifties ranch in mm-hmm. Brookfield. We lived there for a few years, and then um, my dad got a job um, at Christensen Associates over on the west side by Hilldale. They sure. were in the Pyre Square, Square building, which yeah. is a big, it's a cylindrical building, so yeah. Pi R Square. Yep. R, yeah. Um, <laughs> I got it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we, uh, I've asked my parents a lot of times, especially wondering, like, why did we end up where we did? Um, and it was just a combination of some Prairie, you could get a lot more house. Sure. Oh, um, yeah. And my parents had both been working class, like, large Catholic working class families. Mm-hmm. So they had both gone to, like, Catholic grade schools. So then it was a matter of where do you get into Catholic grade schools you go for to three Sacred kids? Hearts. I did. Oh, man. Yeah. I grew up in some Prairie. You did? I did, yeah. Where? Uh... You know, um, so to get to my house, you would take the Bristol Street exit. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so were you north or south? Um, north well, or south of the freeway? 
Uh, yeah, good question. Um, Were you by the athletic uh, center? Athletic no, no, no. Club? So you know where Young's Garden Center is? Yeah. Just in that neighborhood. Oh, okay. Yeah, right there. Right by Northside. Yeah. 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 Like I, didn't go to school. I didn't go to school in Madison, or in Sun Prairie. I went no. to school, a private school in Madison. Okay. But, yeah. So it, did you know, like, um, oh, God, this is taking me back. Um, uh, uh, Tom. Why can't I remember Tom? last name. Tom lived on the corner of, like, Clubertons and, like, whatever, like, one block in uh, from, like, like, White House. Man, I don't know. All right. I don't know. Like, and Kayla Mahoney's, like... I don't folks. know any yeah. of these names. You don't know? Okay. All right. <laughs> no. uh, okay. Apparently, you were a year behind my brother oh. at Sun Prairie. Okay. Um, so he's, Who is your brother? His name's Aaron Rosted. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, right. No, no, no. He was no. friends um, He was friends with, like, my, um, my, my best friend growing up. Her name was Sarah. Okay. And he kind of was a little bit associated with that crew. Okay. okay. Yeah. I don't know. He, he only Prairie, went to Sun Prairie for two years. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then he transferred back to our private school for yeah. a season. I don't know why anybody would do that. Like, well, leave for two years. So we, we went to a private Christian school that my grandfather started from kindergarten. Did you go to High Point? No, uh, Abundant Life. Abundant Life. Yeah. And, um... Oh, wait. So do you... This is, like, great for the... Sure. For the yeah, right? Listening Everybody audience. listening. Yeah. We're just going to talk about people yeah, we people know. people we know. Let's yeah. see. Okay, so let's, like, steer back. So that's the thing, like, growing up in Madison is you... It's like, in what year did you graduate? And Everybody's what high had this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so... I think that this is very interesting in terms of the context of this race. I, I, well, offline, perhaps, I'll ask you about some of the kids I know that you probably sure. went to school with. Oh, you can ask me now. Nah. I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, and so it's interesting because there's this whole like double speak to Madison. There's all yeah. these kind of code words. There's all these um, shorthand, mm-hmm. right? That totally. I, you know, so it's important to have a perspective on the city of what it means to be young here. But you also, if you grew up here, there's a very real culture here that cuts in a lot of different directions. Yeah. And part of this is the conversation of what what high school did you go to? Oh, yeah. It's total shorthand for all these um, socioeconomic... Well, um, like, I would just, you know, like, I'm, a, I'm an East Side boy. I've yeah. always, I grew up in Sun Prairie, so I've just, East Side is the closest. Well, and Sun Prairie really is East Side yeah, because yes. you're 10 minutes from the mall. Yeah. And, then, and, and then I got married and I moved to the West Side of Madison just this past year. And, and then all, you had to all all figure out where to go shopping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I, in college, I dated things, yeah. a guy for a number of years and he, he had gone to uh, he had gone to Memorial mm-hmm. and so he would never go shopping on the east side so then we could only we only went shopping on the west side and yeah. so then I like learned the whole west side and like <laughs> it's so weird because yeah. like I, people I don't cross never, the city yeah I'm I'm not uh, I don't care about like like I have nothing against the west siders but like my wife has been a west sider her whole life yeah she goes oh I could never live on the east side I know never. and I'm like, and it's what like is, well, I have found that to be the case all my whole life yeah. even when I was high, in high right. school and had friends who right. lived on the west side they'd be like, oh, the east side is so right. far away. And I'm like, it takes 15 well, minutes. And I have an intern who went to West. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were doing doors off by Atwood. Yeah. And I ha- in, I was kind of talking about, like, trying to say where the cafe is. And she didn't know where that is. And I, <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so I find that really fascinating. Maybe one of the good things about... If you're just outside of the city, and for us it was again kind of punk rock and music. It was that you came down to the teen center, you went out to shows, you walked around State Street, you went down to the Union and to yeah. the Terrace. You you know um, you know you went to uh, Welcome Week parties on yeah, campus, oh, yeah. right? I mean, I, I, it was very interesting when um, Chris Farley's brother uh, Tom was running yeah. for Alder, and as Ooh, for our listeners, was our first guest on this. Ah, excellent. Well, and um, and. As 
because he sat on ALRC and, you know, and the family very publicly has documented kind of struggles with alcohol. Yeah. Um, there is something very real to Madison growing up here with the university when you're in high school. You are just exposed to party culture at a very yeah. early age. You know what's interesting, actually, with Tom? He talks about how he had no idea that Madison was a cool place. He thought it... Really? Because, you know, growing up in uh, Maple Bluff, he said it was like growing up behind a curtain. Yeah. Like you just... Yeah, they partied and whatever, whatever. Um, but he, he, when he moved back from New York, he said he came back and was like, when did Madison become this cool yeah. scene and like this good music and art? And, yeah. And I went, Tom, always. Always. <laughs> yeah. Always it was always there. It was always there. Um, so, you know, I, find, I found a really great kind of... Uh, uh, band of, I don't want to say misfits because everybody's like growing up to be MBAs and and, and lawyers, sure. but there, um, the all ages music scene um, like early 2000s mm-hmm. um, in Madison was fantastic because you got kids from all the different high schools and I have friends that I talk with on a weekly basis that are still really close friends that I yeah. met when I was in high school in Madison but nobody went to Sun Prairie Yeah, they, it was like, you know Wanakee and Verona and West and La Follette, you know, and yeah. it was fascinating to get all those kids together and we're all still friends. And so it's been such a dynamic group. And I look at the opportunities now and I don't see those places. I don't see those spaces. You had catacombs, you had Cafe CC. Catacombs, yeah. geez. Right? That's the take back right, right? there. And then, um, well, in Electric Earth has been hanging on. They yeah. finally just closed, but the, I mean, Electric Earth back in its heyday. Yeah. It, it, you know, the urban theorists and planners, they talk about those third spaces. Yeah. Um, you talk with, um, uh, I was talking with uh, one of the um, community center exec directors mm-hmm. and how he says how the kids in his, uh, his center who are fantastic and show up and participate and are great though in school when they, when they circle back with the teachers, those are kind of the problem kids. Sure. And, oh, yeah. and, and I'm really concerned right now with what I see in the city that I don't see those places for all these, um, random kids to come together yeah. and make friends outside of their natural, um, yeah. school environments. Because I, I mean, I, I kind of hated high school and, uh, Sun Prairie. Welcome and, to, the, to the world. Yeah. To the human race. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I did a lot of community theater. I was a big, like, theater geek. Sure. Um, which has actually served me quite well in politics. You know, yeah. you got to find, hit your spot, find That's the right. light. Yeah. You know. There's some improv. The involved. Michael Caine, like, like cheat, camera <laughs> cheat, right? All that kind of good stuff. Um, and so I look at the opportunities I had in Madison growing up, like, 15 years ago. Because yeah. now I'm an old lady. I'm 31. Right. Even though I, like, went out for a business lunch and I got carded. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says like, oh, you can totally run the city. You, like, you could be mayor. You could be gonna mayor, card but I'm going to card you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just say it's just the good. If, it's the good Italian food. It's all the olive oil. It's go. good family genes. I don't smoke. Sitting in all these meetings, I never see the light yeah. of day. So just imagine if you become mayor and yeah. and you get carded for alcohol, and you you can be like, I gave you this liquor license. No, <laughs> no, you know you don't do that. You have fun with it. Yeah, you have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So. 
to the questions. I, I have some questions. I don't have a ton. Yeah. Um, I, I think I. Other said than that, what high school did I go to? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I said to Scott when he was on that I like to treat it like a first date, like a blind. Yeah. Date, basically. This, this date's going well so oh, far. Oh, perfect! I'll tell my wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, back to being an alder. Yeah. What are you most proud of from your days as an as an alder? Yeah. I mean, two things. They're kind of big and sizable and you see them most days uh east wash you look at the constellation you look at the grocery store getting a really fantastic infill and grocery store that was a huge goal when i came into office it took us like four years it's under construction now yeah uh, but we got it and then i think the the sheer ability to get the edgewater built is something that i'm um proud of it certainly was a learning experience Uh, i walked in week one of being elected and uh that was the first time the neighbors had seen the renderings like that was the first renderings very beginning and you you know they they started like yelling it was like (laughs) it was it was not a a positive meeting okay um (laughs) and so now you look at it and you look at it and it's built and i um i was sitting there with mark clear and we were getting a drink in the bar and we were just kind of sitting there because it was to get that building to be a reality to get be able to sit there and have a drink yeah um and it, it took so much and um those are the things that I think, you know, you, and I consider Russ Feingold like a major hero of mine. Yeah. Right. And I'm very excited. I think, I think I like, I'm, I've been hearing rumblings for a long time about the Senate run yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind a presidential run either, but um, I don't, I think it's a little early. I feel like, no, I, there's, I do. There's I, some good, good, good folks stirring the pot over at slate. who put his record up to Hillary's. Really? Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's off, um, in the Congo Democratic Republic um, yeah. doing great work. You know what's funny is whenever you see somebody like him in Madison like I actually saw him in here once. He walked in and like everybody Wait, went. here? Yeah. Like here, here? Yeah, yeah. Like in this cafe here? Yeah. Russ Feingold was in my neighborhood? Yeah. So Russ walks in okay. and, and you and it's midday like it is now. Yeah. And, and it's like people kind of start noticing and like you if you were at a table with somebody else like there's like a wave them, there's like, like a whisper. I think that's Russ Feingold. Yeah. And and uh, uh, they told me the guys who work here told me that he comes in every now and then. That's because this is the best cafe in the city. That's right. I'm trying to build the best places in the city. Perfect. Yeah. Um, although a lot of that credit goes to Gwen and Kyle. See, yeah. you got to give credit. You got to give credit. It is important. Gwen to give credit. and Kyle are doing amazing things, yes. and now we've got and so Sal's Pizza next door. That's yes. Nice. Oh, the employees rock. Yes. The employees rock. So I was saying about Russ Feingold and. Uh, you look at all the things he put his blood, sweat, and tears into, especially around campaign finance reform, mm-hmm. and it all with this flip of the uh, switch, kind of with the Supreme Court, and with some changes in power in yeah. Congress. Yeah, uh, you know the life's work went out the window. Totally. Um, at least in the things that I feel like I've accomplished and what I'm proud of accomplishing, and you look at like the Tenney Park shelter. Also, major credit, major props to a lot of people. Um, Grant Frouchy was instrumental. Um, the Wall family stepped up, and uh, Mary Lang Salinger was huge in getting that to go because that yeah. was a $1.2 million park sh- shelter. Yeah. 
Um, but you look at these projects, and they're going to be here for a hundred years. Yeah, you know, totally. You know, there's no taking it down, and I, I and so that's that's rewarding. That I barring that like been, a maniac with a bomb. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, I, an a, clearly an active of God. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, so you you brought up. Uh, so I think that in terms of the things I'm proud of, it's the things that will last for people, for you know, knock on wood, my, hopefully my children. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. grandchildren for a hundred years to come. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's um, that's important to be able to kind of have that legacy. Yeah. Uh, so you brought up Eastwash, and yeah. we've been talking about music yeah. uh, and venues. And this is something oh, that came you, up. You want to know some, about the venue? This is something that came yes. up with Scott. A lot of people wanted me to ask about uh, his feelings about music venues and the potential for music yeah. venues along, on East Wash. And, yeah. and, and as mayor, you know, what's your response to that and what do you think about it? I think there's a huge potential there. I think if you're going to put it in, this is a good spot to do it. Um, I I will be, I'm agnostic on the, there's really good things about the proposal the, that Stonehouse and the Franks had. Yeah. The thing that I was most frustrated with with that project going down was there was 160 units of affordable housing sure. as part of that. Yeah. Um, and so get past the venue, guys, and look at the whole thing. Yeah. I also think that the reason the venue went down had very little to do with the reality of the parking, and it had a lot more to do with schmucky internal um, favoritism in politics. Sure. At the same time, I have heard from some good constituents and neighbors, uh, there were some clear missteps by the development team. Hmm. Teams, folks, um, like told a neighbor to shut up at a meeting. Wow, that's not good. Yeah, uh, there was um, a little bit of Facebooking. Um, Facebook is the devil. It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's good yeah. for a lot of things, but for the most part, yeah. it's just the well. And it was like it was like you have a multi-million dollar project, yeah. and you're like you're, you're like one of the main principles was like on somebody's Facebook page, like and it's like you can't do that. You're not. So nice. so I'm very like I'm I'm, I'm very agnostic now. Um, Topher uh, Christopher has a proposal with um, um, with Otto Gephardt for that south block yeah. that the city has been sitting on. Um, you have smart studios that I've kind of talked. I even like sat down with um, Jason Tish when he was over at um, Historic Trust, yeah. talking about. So Historic Trust has always been about like the windows and dormers and the physical architectural basis for why this should be a landmark. And I'm like, okay, so the building that was Smart Studios is a god-awful, hideous-looking building that had a, literally a Mack truck went through the front of it. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, the Mack, part, Mack truck part is true. But And maybe for me, it's just about knowing the history of Smart. Right. I don't think it's an ugly building, personally. It was a brothel and a bar. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, it's like, it's just, it's a nondescript building. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yes. It's very nondescript. It, it's easy to miss. Correct. Yeah. But I, I thought, is there a potential here to look at it in terms of a cultural resource and attribute. And um, totally. my friend Lee was from Memphis, and um, I went down kind of uh, the first Edgewater vote after it passed. I went, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a little break. So I drove down sure. to Memphis, uh, went to like the Stax Museum, look at, looked at all of that. Um, and so there's other cities that have figured out ways to sort of honor those cultural um, um, 
want to say relics, cultural like resources that they've had in their community. Yeah. And Madison has very few of those. Totally. And so there's this nondescript building that's painted this like weird chocolate brown sitting yeah. on the corner. Yeah. Sandwiched between the, like the coffee roaster uh, and Baldwin. Yeah, that's right. So I think that there's some really dynamic potential there. Um, there's been a couple ideas kicked around. I mean, the reality is that the East Wash is starting to go. Yeah. Um, and I have worked intimately to understand all the nooks and crannies and nuances of the land use and the easements and the sure. back histories and the ownership structures and who hates who and yeah. what families like won't like, you know, who's got a war with each other yeah. over their driveway and yeah. like all that kind of stuff. It's like the Hatfields and the McCoys sometimes here in Madison. It, it kind of really is. And when you're the alder, certainly when you're the mayor, you have to referee yeah. um, and try to get people to come together. I feel like I have been working very diligently to say, guys, how do we get to a good solution here? How do we get to yes? Let's, let's, you know, why can't we have nice things? Yeah. Right? This um, is why we get him. Yeah. And I feel like also, so this is a, a, you look on, I've got this idea up on the website. I've been talking with Salvation Army for, and their board members for several years going, so YWCA did a $10 million capital campaign on yeah. their shelter. This is my mom's old elementary school that used to be St. Pat's Elementary School. Yeah. Um, what is your plan moving forward, right? And kind of saying, you know, I think as this neighborhood comes up, mm-hmm. there's a real potential to rebuild here and because your client base is doubly served by being located downtown, on the bus routes, easy access, and the things that, you know, the Hoi Polloi neighbors who, you know, live in very nice houses in this neighborhood, on the lake, or whatever, what they really enjoy is access to the parks, access to downtown. The folks who have very little um, money and, and, and resources... This is a very valuable neighborhood totally. to be located. Yeah. And I, I always refer to this neighborhood as the broke hip kid neighborhood. <laughs> um, it's, it's accurate. And it really is kind of the last affordable corner of downtown. Yeah. Um, there's a couple sort of um, efficiency buildings with efficiencies in one bedrooms, those zero lot line buildings built in the 60s and 70s. A little bit over in Bassett, right? They, mm-hmm. they just tore down um, one for some of the brand new high rise stuff going in on Johnson Street. Some of those buildings are starting to come down. Um, you look at the project we got, and this was with Stonehouse, so same people who were on that ven- the venue proposal. Yeah. Um, so down here on Johnson at Blair Street, that's 83 units of green built, yeah. uh, you know, 50, 60% affordable units. I am convinced that we have to invest significant dollars to get affordable housing. Um, from where the market was in 2009 when I came into office, I really thought like, oh, well, we can just build more housing and the market will respond and we'll be okay. And the reality now is if you look at Epic and there, you know, the holiday parties, because uh, when you're in your early 30s and that's middle management at Epic, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, uh, t- talking with folks at the holiday parties, I mean, Epic's on par to add another 3,000 employees in 2015. Yeah. So do not think, because all these apartments are going up, mm-hmm. that we're in any way getting to our um, housing needs. We are barely, barely keeping up with the demand. Yeah. Um, and that's very hard for a lot of people to, to understand. And you grew up here, you understand. There's this, you, you, 
people have a bias about what the city is because mm-hmm. they've lived here for as long as they and have. What different neighborhoods and they, are right, and they only see it through the prism of, of uh, well, I could say the prism of their experiences, but also the prism of their experiences from many years ago. Yeah, and because people do not cross town, because they do not actively come out, like you were saying, your girlfriend or your wife, your yeah. wife was saying, yeah. right? Um, they have these predisposed ideas, right? And Park Street's a great example of that. But you yeah. look at Park Street, oh my god, it is so vibrant right now. Mm-hmm. It is completely coming up. There is so much um, in terms of investment and resources. And I, you know, I had a, a young professional last night at the debate want to know, like, my ideas about how do you ensure that minority-owned startups and businesses have a place. And I say, you gotta, you know, I, I think the Thorstad's Lot's a perfect place to put a put a flag, put a stake in the ground and say, we are completely going to build this for the next totally. 50 years. Yeah. And um, we have to invest in affordable housing. It's not magic. We have to spend money. Yeah. And we have the capacity, we have the ability to do it with our capital budget funds. What's really hard and really frustrating is we do not have the operating funds. The county does not have the operating funds. And certainly the state and the feds are not helping us out to be able to have the um, resources for the programs we need for support services, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we can rebuild a new um, Salvation Army shelter, but the questions of staffing and resources on an operating front are very, very tricky. Sure. Where I think there's real potential is looking at, you know, and so, all right, I, I got a, I got a beef, I got a beef with the, the mayor here, all and right. other alders do too. But I'm the, I'm the one running for mayor, so I guess I get the, literally, I have the microphone in front of me here. Um, so the, over um, by Woodman's on the west side, across from Elver Park, yeah. the city is purchasing the old Griff's restaurant. Okay. And it was, last night at the debate, suddenly it was about workforce development. Yeah. And uh, Scott yeah. and I kind of looked at each other and kind of, like, with, you know, knowingly, because it was always sold as a, you know, about a community center, right? Sure, and, yeah. And it was kind of built for the kids. Yeah. The reality is, is there is no plan. There is no money. Um, so I, you know, I think you can look at that and say, is there a way that we can look to um, a developer and say, much like what we did over with um, the Sequoia Library, mm-hmm. right? And look at building apartments and have first floor um, commercial retail space. Sure. So it's Sequoia Library, is that... Um uh, where is that? Oh, it's on the west side. Yeah, is it is it like uh, Old Sock or not Old Sock? Uh, no, it's um, like Midvale. Man. Like, go go to Hilldale yeah. and drive south. Okay. Before you get to the Beltline and before yeah. you get to Tiger Lounge. Sure. It's like a little bit up from there. It's by, it's a little... Oh, yes. It, it's yeah. it, The pizzeria's in there. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you look at a neighborhood like that, that was very like mid-century, single-use zoning, and they built a really dynamic property. Yeah. I think if you were to look at something like that and you were able to say, well, the city is not going to have the holding costs, the city's not going to have, you know, there's a lot to be said for having tax base. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think the city, and I've gone through this process several times, we've done decent on a number of times, but sometimes it takes a lot longer than you'd like to reposition this property, like for on the, or to get it right. Yeah. Or to get like really good RFPs. Um, you know, we had gone out twice for the stuff on East Wash mm-hmm. and that South Block that now there's kind of a proposal for a building and a venue. Um, that's kind of technically like round three. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, and so there's there's holding costs associated with that. So if the city's going to buy the property, you know, I would I would like to get us out of the habit of sitting on it. Sure. And um, you could then work out a revenue stream structure based off of the operating on that building to try to put it in towards a community center or a workforce development center. And and I'm just, I'm fascinated by how little we do here to put jobs as the focus. Sure. We we are, our DNA, DNA, we won won the contest to be the state capital. That's why we're on the map. We're a master plan community as a state capital. And so what you see in many other cities and communities where commerce, right, the railroad came to town or Mm -hmm. there was a river or there was a port, um, or you're the Sun Belt, so air conditioning happened. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, we're not, that's very different than who we are within the city and our DNA. And so we have to think about things now that many other cities, that was just part of how they were structured. And we, we now, if you look at how very stagnant, if not, you know, receding, um, state university, you know, public sector jobs are to our economy, we're having to look at, at things in a much different light than we have in the past. And, uh, and as you know, we're out of cornfields. We got yeah. a couple more cornfields, but There's not that many. One, uh, that one uh, farm. Uh, oh, by Women's? Right, yeah. yeah. Th- that guy is going to make a fortune I know. when he finally yeah. relents. Well, and there used to be a big festival there. Hey, listeners. It's your host, Adam Rosted, interrupting the episode because I have something new I want to tell you about. We're going to start introducing some music to the podcast. We'll take a mid-episode break and tell you about a local artist. This artist is MC Jakes. You can find him on Twitter at MC Jakes or on SoundCloud. The song is Take a Walk. No time for the introduction. It's the same old bloke that your brain combusted in the feel-good way. With the name you trusted, came back from the dead, leave a lane disgusting. I got flow that's progressive, while flow for progressive be texting and calling ironic. Told that hope she could go. Now I switch to Ball State girl, they low with my policy. Trying to save a couple bucks where I can, like a Midwest conservationist. Damn, get pop that life. Help me take a stand to get your hot five from your face to my backhand like I just ain't got time. So take a walk. One time for the high. Fake rappers campaigning online, getting lights. I'ma shed a little light. light. Two track mixtape, you made it ain't right. Brain waves are paced on pages, paved the way and break gates that made today's idiots famous. That's fame, no need for a net game. Accessory net game to me is about as pretty as a pest stain. Watch me jump on wagons while breathing like dragons. I'm dragging my feet, no, I'm better though. All you puppets are liars, connected by wires. Your poppy's your pedal, bro. Jiminy crickets, I feel like it's Christmas. My presence immaculate. Mad at myself for abandoning rap, but I'm back in this bitch. Watch a veteran handle it. It don't matter what the time zone be. When I get behind this mic, all eyes on me. Two pocky out, knocking out rhymes out beats. Till they put me in a home player, I'll be in a zone. The zone, zone, gon' be the flow. Speed it up, slow it down, so in control. Got immediate need to be beat to see me. I'm a beast, I'm a lion in need of a feast. Fucking with his idiots, trying 
trying to get a piece. Really put me in the mood, cause I don't need them in the least. Leave off my D, dude. I need to be free from your fakeness that's blocking my shine. I just ain't got time. Said I ain't got time. Really ain't got time. I ain't got time. I just ain't got time. So take a walk, can I put you on blast? All the bitches that be asking the hassle the Jacob when you're gonna be a man, be more masculine Maybe start a family, get yourself a mortgage Your house out in Portage, cause then you'll be important Important, one man's dream Two car garage, HD screens Every other minute it's a brand new thing A distraction to keep you from your passion I mean, I mean, I'd rather be a vagabond rapping Than caught up in a hamster wheel of happy meals and camping Again, that song is Take a Walk by MC Jakes You can find him on SoundCloud uh, you can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Twitter. Hey, if you are a musician or you know a musician or of a band who wants to have their song played on the podcast, you can go to MadisonStorySlam.com and send us a message via our contact page. Uh, again, this is MC Jakes. Enjoy the rest of the song and the rest of the episode. Revival's in the middle of my mind. I've been trying to find it, but I just ain't got time. Really ain't got time. Bitch, I ain't got time. Said I ain't got time. So take a walk. Yeah. My, my mom tells me about the Eastside Businessmen's Festival. Yep. It was a whole thing. And, you you know, one thing I've noticed also that's um, I have, like, three winter solstice uh, things to get to. Sure. Because there wasn't one big city winter solstice bonfire. Yeah. There was, like, everybody had their own thing. Totally. And part of, like, where we've become very segregated as a city is everybody just takes care of themselves or the people immediately around them. Yeah. And so politically, we've created a structure at City Hall where um, the, you know, the political power, you have 20 council districts. There's very, I don't, I cannot think of another neighborhood. There's maybe, maybe Maurice Cheeks who represents both Allied and Nakoma, mm-hmm. right? But there's very few council districts where you actually have a diverse mix of citizens because the districts are only 11 and a half thousand people. And sure. if you look at how they're drawn, you don't tend to get somebody kind of right in the middle politically. You get sort of the most distilled version of yeah. that neighborhood, yeah. of that area, of that district in power. Um, so I think it's you see that a lot where the decisions are made at a very um, local level. And because you have such a diffused council, you don't have like nine council members or 11. You have 20 council members. So you don't have as much um, citywide initiative, citywide um, land use yeah. strategies or partnerships, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know, we, we talk about jobs and, and the need to focus on that yeah. in this city. Uh, as, a, as a person who didn't go to college, uh, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I'm part of this generation. And it's like, like, oh, you want to be a bartender or you well, want to be a barista? Like, what's, what's, what like, master's degree like do you have? Everybody is focusing. So, like, Epic has done great things for Madison. Yes. It's undeniable. Correct. Uh, but it's also caused a lot of people to be like... There's a wobble. Yeah. There's like, a, there's there's spinoff to Epic Yeah. that, as a policymaker, I have to react to. Yeah. And I don't get to tell Epic what their one year, three year, five year strategy should be. Sure. Um, and it's very, and you have then a lot of spinoff, you know, especially with like in the housing market with developers who are putting big, big bets on the table. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think Madison is at a very fortunate place where we are a very high demand city. Um, and we're, and 
So if there's a lot of money being made and had by a lot of people, then it should should be, I'd like to think, it should be very easy to con- convince folks that we need to make sure that we're taking care of folks who are not directly benefiting yeah. from this. And, and there is, I can tell you, as somebody who uh, isn't really directly benefiting from yeah. that, uh, there is a certain sense of, of feeling forgotten about. Yes. Uh, and, or if you know, you're just not, not I, STEM. It's like, yeah. say you, it's like, say you were not a computer programmer or you were not an engineer. Yeah. Um, y- you know, if you were the liberal arts major yeah. also. Yeah, absolutely. That And that's true. And, you know, there are p- people listening who are going, well, then go to college. You know, whatever. That, yeah. And that's true. There is something to be said for that. Uh, but hey, Ian. I, I also... <laughs> Ian, everybody. Yeah. Um, We're doing a podcast. Yeah. Um, Ian from Ian's Pizza. So the, there in. is something. <laughs> there is something to be said for uh, not forgetting about those people who aren't gonna write programs. Completely. You know what I mean? And I went toe-to-toe with the mayor on this um, because his vision for the site where the grocery store is going in was like a heavy tech business office building. Sure. And Marsha Rummel and I kept going to him and saying, Paul, there's real value in jobs at a grocery store that pay $12 to $15 an hour. Absolutely. Those are jobs that are incredibly valuable in this community. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, so if you look at the proposal that is getting built today, there are spaces for, on an office basis, that you could have those really um, high-end tech STEM kind of positions. Yeah. Um, and you have a mix where you have a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And it's important, especially because Madison has so much pressure on its labor market because we are so educated. Mm-hmm. I think um, the census, it was like 50 of the city has bachelor's degrees or higher. Yeah. And the state and national average is more like 25 to 22%. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you can get highly qualified, educated individuals who are all competing, which will drive down wages. Totally. And I've totally seen that. Um, A lot of overqualified folks. So for those, and, you know, there was a very uh, spirited, uh, it wasn't even debate. It was forum forum last night. There's a lot of people. I heard it got a little ruckus. Yeah, but that's good. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, You have a lot of folks who Madison does not work for them. And Richard Brown keeps saying one Madison. Hmm. But the reality is, is that's kind of what the problem is right now with Madison, which is that there's this expectation that you go to yoga and you shop at the co-op and you have certain value sets. And so therefore then you fit. And the reality is that we have not built the city to um, allow for people who do not fit that narrative. Yeah. And part of the problem, I think, is that we do not have a, a diversity to the city hmm. um, and, the, and a sense of different cultures. There, we, we play into our stereotypes. We like yeah. our number one rankings. Yeah. Uh, I think all the number one rankings are totally bunk. I think we should <laughs> never... We are not a number one city. Yeah. We are a beautiful city. We are a blessed city. We, have, we are very I tell you fortunate. what, if our city was the downtown and near east side, and near West Side corridors, uh, we'd, be the, we'd be those number ones. But everybody else, like, but like they convene in those articles, they conveniently don't talk about uh, the South Side of Madison. They don't correct. talk about West Badger Road. Correct. They don't talk about certain parts of the North correct. Side of Madison. It's just the tourist version. Yeah. 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 And we are better than our tourist version.
version? Absolutely. So that brings me to ah, a question I thought question. of. Yeah, yes. I thought, thought of this last night. Uh, what can be done for neighborhoods like the South Side, uh, specifically parts of like South Park, which, and I, when I say South Park, I mean like West Badger Road area, right. which are legitimately sort of scary neighborhoods at times. Right. I've noticed a, the crime rate a, along West Badger Road this past year. It just seems like it's just keep going up and up yeah. and up. You keep hearing all these things. Well, and, and you know, I talked last night about with the, the race to equity report, and you find that 50% of all the African Americans in, in, I believe, Dayton County mm-hmm. are within 16 residential housing units in like six neighborhoods. Yeah. And the reality is, is that we are... We got some real issues with attitude. Yeah. And I think that, I don't think that those are scary neighborhoods at all. I think it's a sense, again, of you go into those neighborhoods and they don't fit the, the narrative of sure. the city. Sure. And you kind of, uh, a lot of people they just kind of freak out about that. I'll tell you they are scary neighborhoods. Yeah. At, at times. Uh, I used to drive for Badger Bus. Okay. So I would, I would drop off clients, mm-hmm. uh, disabled clients in mm-hmm. those neighborhoods. And when I'm dropping off a person in that neighborhood at 1130 at night, I, I'm not, like, frightened, but I can imagine it's, it must be scary for somebody. Uh, I'm definitely, um, I have a heightened sense of alertness, you right. know what I mean, at that time. Right. So maybe scary is not the right word. But, a heightened sense of alertness. Yeah, yeah you know. Um, right. So, you know, but I don't, it, it's hard to have that conversation and not talk about race. Completely. And, and it's hard to... Well, and here's a good example. All right. So I was doing doors over by Jenny Street Market in that neighborhood. Sure. And um, was talking with a lady and said, oh, you know, how are things in the neighborhood? How are things going? And she said, well, you know, the neighborhood's changing. Uh, the neighbors, they drive a BMW. Yeah. And, and you look around and it's all Priuses and Subarus and, you know, fuel-efficient vehicles. Yeah. And we have a real problem with sort of folks who are different. Yeah. Um, part of it, I think, is how we're built. Um, somebody s- suggested to me it's very we're very Germanic, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but if sort of that's the issue of in a neighborhood with the uh, the affluence level, mm-hmm. that the the scary thing about the neighborhood changing over Jenny Street Market was that the neighbor was yeah. driving a BMW and that didn't fit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that that that's the change. Yeah. That that's a threat to the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only imagine by the point time you get to the point looking at folks who are making $20,000 a year mm-hmm. and that the reality is, is that there's a complete lack of respect a complete lack of understanding to even understand the consumer choices and decisions and so I think a lot of it is if you think of sort of that that um, anecdote that I have and you think of it in the chain and perspective all the way down it's like and that's where people don't think that we're racist it's just well but they don't they don't value the things I value so I don't it's not that I don't you know this is is a sort of not not me I'm trying to put like in a tone of a random average person Um, you know it's not that I it's not that I don't like them because they're black it's that I don't like them because they don't shop at the co-op they don't they don't 
they don't buy good food for their kids. I don't understand the choices that they make. I can't you know accept what? the choices that they make. Some of that, uh, some of that, I understand why somebody would say that. I, I have met people who will say things. Well, it's not that I don't like them because they're black. It's they don't speak well, and that right. Me. And it's like, right. Who cares? It's these cultural touch points where, yeah. again, like I kind of said about how there's a shorthand and there's this coded sure. language to Madison. Totally. Um, and people are constant. They're very judgy, yeah. right? It's. Uh, I think I, I don't remember what guest it was. Madison is so clicky, right? And completely and clickiness, uh, judginess Every, comes with yeah. with clickiness. Yeah, you know. Everybody ha- kind of has a chip on their shoulder for yeah. one reason or another, and yeah. I don't understand. I, I I understand that historically there's a huge cultural divide between the east side and the west side, the manufacturing side versus you know blue collar versus white collar, and, yeah. and th- that sort of legacy to the city. Um, but it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. because we need to we need to be better. We need to do better. And then you and then I go to the community meetings, and you hear about the parent experiences and with their kids in the schools. Mm-hmm. And then you know my mom uh, retired two years ago from the school district as a librarian. So sometimes I will go to a bunch of the teachers, retired folks, get together for lunch, and you hear some of the stories that they have too about but the frustration experience. And so there's a lot of frustration on all sides. And I think it's important. I mean, but until we start changing our neighborhoods and sort of opening our neighborhoods up, yeah. Um, you know, I this neighborhood has a lot of affordable housing. You have very few minorities who live in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of bias, right? Totally. And people won't say it's racism, mm-hmm. but it's that sort of cultural bias. Yeah. Um, and those are the things we have to have very real conversations on. And we have to just shift the tone and shift the dynamic. And that's where the mayor gets to appoint committees. Sure. Uh, the mayor gets to look at who gets hired. We mm-hmm. get to look at um, job training. Um, and I thought that the gentleman last night at the debate who really went to bat with Paul mm-hmm. over the city's job training efforts and saying that... Uh, there's a huge wall that they're hitting where they have people who are qualified, who are trained, and what is the city going to do to hold these businesses and contractors accountable for retention? You know, I think yeah. is very real. Yeah. Um, the thing that I also think that I just see is getting out and talking with folks across the city. There's a lot of folks who have everything just how they like it and want it in the city. Sure. And it's like no touching. You know, I always think I always think of that scene from Arrested Development, right? No touching, no yeah. touching. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I can understand that. Like people like to be comfortable, and change is hard for people. It is, but we're gonna stagnate. We're yeah. gonna die. I agree. People. I, I can't stress enough the fact that we need the next 30-year resident and homeowner and taxpayer to live in the city of Madison and yeah. not go to McFarland and Cottage Grove and Sun Prairie, yeah. right? Yeah. And we have to be competitive. And right now, there's a lot of areas that we're not competitive. Um, and continuing to study and study and study and try to go down and say, well, but this is how we used to do things. And yeah. and this and you know, we, and we had results 20 years ago. The reality is that the re- 
things have changed in the last three years, the last four years, let sure. alone try to say, well, let's go back to the good old days of 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, we are not going to get the same results. And yeah. I think it's a, a foolhardy to think that we will. Um, the reality also is that the funding environments at the times in which these programs were in place is not the funding environment that we have today. Totally. And I think that there's a lot more that we need to step up with on the, with foundations and with nonprofits. Um, and again, to that root DNA, we're, we're not like Pittsburgh. We don't have robber barons. Like there's no Carnegie, there's no Fricks, there's no, you know, Heinz ketchup fortune. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, but if you look at other cities and where they have, are able to pool resources and, and where resources are able to come together, those kind of places are few and far between in Madison. Now the Rennebaum Foundation very, very kindly just stepped up with the Boys and Girls Club to offer 675 internships, paid internships um, over the next three years. That's huge, yeah. right? Uh, the Goodman Brothers did a lot in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Frouchies have stepped up on on a lot. Um, we need to look to our emerging industries, right? And Epic and Shopbop and those next yeah. companies, yeah. right? And we need to ensure that we're creating the spaces to grow the firms because we are very poor positioned as a city to try to recruit big companies to relocate here. Sure. One, yeah. historically, that's a very poor strategy. Well, and we've lost big companies. And we've lost big last, companies. Like, yeah. I think Rayovac. Rayovac, yep. Yeah. My grandmother worked on the line at Rayovac. Yeah. You know? And didn't, uh, did, so- did Sony pull out of here? Yeah. What, yeah. They went to Middleton. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've, we're not a community or a city that can really right. entice a big company. Exactly. Hey, this is the place to be. And you talk with these folks who want to play ball and want to have things located here, and they, you talk about their experience with, with the city of Madison, and it leaves a lot to be desired. And yeah. even if we think that, like, but what we're doing is of benefit to our community, the reality is, is that Madison does not exist in a vacuum. Sure. And we have to understand competitively what other communities even just, you know, over in in in, in Fitchburg, over in Wanakee, what yeah. they're doing. You know, yeah. the, the new brewery place just relocate, you know, is locating up in uh, Wanakee. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really simple things that we can do to get the city moving forward. Um, I'm sorry, I do not believe that another four years of Paul in office is going to be able to position the city. If you look at East Wash and you value what's going on there, you know, Paul fought us on a yeah. lot of that. Yeah. But now that it's going and it's successful and politically it was a winner, now suddenly it's a thing. I, I'm so sick of seeing people with good initiatives get shut down or told to wait or told that their thing is not a priority um, when they are working very hard on their own yeah. and they're, they're looking to the city as a partner. Um, you have small businesses that I, I think also the mayor frequently can't see the forest through the trees. Sure. You look at how he's smacking around small businesses on sandwich board signs, mm-hmm. you know, arguing about the positioning of things on State Street. Uh, heading into the holiday season, you were, right when the retailers who are very much on State Street, who very much exist, uh, are, you know, right at their peak season that they need. The mayor's on the, on the you know, in the media saying there's no, there's no retail on State Street. 
Eighth Street. Yeah. It's not helpful. Absolutely. You have to be better than that. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a polite way that you can say, Paul, thank you for your years of dedication to public service to the city, but now things are changing. Yeah. And we need new leadership to step up. And um, I'm out there, you know, working hard to make the case of I've done the homework. I know the city. I have a, a, you know, a fun attitude. Yeah. And I want to take this on because you need someone who will be there in 10 years. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, 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 you want somebody who, especially if you look at where the city is right now and all the critical things that are, and decisions that are coming down the pipeline. Um, I, I think this district has been an excellent training ground for the issues and dramas playing out all across the city, whether it's the, uh, you know, what's driving folks to show up on over on Mifflin Street at Salvation Army mm-hmm. to the homeless shelter. Uh, if you look at the small businesses like, you know, Johnson Public House here who are looking to try to set up in the city, if you look at the major economic development potential that people are looking to for East Washington Avenue, um, the way that this neighborhood and district goes, goes the city. And so I think it's critically important to understand that um, and, and the ramifications of that citywide. And I think we need to stop looking backwards. Yeah. You know, we need to stop patting ourselves on the back and we need to roll up our sleeves. I think, I think I, that can be applied uh, to an individual, uh, to all individuals in their personal life. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, a, a better city starts with a better person. Um, and so... Uh, are you saying I'm a better person? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. No. I'm talking about a, a citizen of Madison or, right. or of any city. Yeah. You uh, should always want to do better. And I, I'm kind of, I, I'm a kind of, perf- I'm a perfectionist, um, which you have to channel. Yeah. Um, but I, I always feel like there's more work to do. There's never a point where I sit back and say, okay, cool. We've got it all figured out. Yeah. You know? Well, that's good because I don't think we ever have it all figured out. No. I, I feel like when you get to that point, uh, it's the you have the least figured out at that point. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap up here pretty okay. quick. But yeah. There's, there's, uh, we'll go like five more minutes. We'll yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, w- one question that I that I was thinking of, and, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine it would be the case in, in Madison. And this answer can be really quick, a yes or no, basically. Okay. Uh, Are you going to do lightning round? Well, no. Just with this one. Just, okay. just one, one question lightning round. Um, have you found as a young woman running for mayor in Madison, and like I said, I can't imagine in Madison that you run into much of this, but is there the attitude of, well, you're a young woman, what do you know? Yeah, there's definitely sexism, there's definitely ageism. Yeah. Um, American University and Rutgers has a very, both of them have very excellent think tanks on women in leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, American University put out a good study and showed that um, women are made to feel that their professional networks and their fundraising capacity are not up to snuff of the guys. Okay. Um, and that they've found that women are just as successful running for office. But there is like a 20 point gap between men and women running for office. Sure. And a lot of that is because women don't step up and run. Um, they're discouraged from it. And I got a lot of that. And I had everything from a member of the city council who I was very close with, who I had been talking with regularly about running for the seat. Um, and she said to me, oh, well, I didn't think you were serious. I thought you were going to go to Pittsburgh and find a nice guy. Um, <laughs> and that coming from another woman. Um, you know, Scott has a boatload of money and personal wealth. Sure. And you look, and I'm within, what, five, a couple dollars of him on fundraising here in this this cycle. Yeah. Um, I... 
you know, I am working hard to do this for the right reasons, and I have to believe that there's a place for that Proxmire and Feingold kind of progressive campaigning. Um, you fight like hell. People definitely say things. They make judgments about you. You know, you have to sort of get... Why do you think a successful women in politics find themselves in pantsuits? It's because you... There's so many opportunities for people to not be listening to what you have to say. Sure. And to just sit there and comment upon your appearance and what you're... That's interesting. I, I honestly never looked at it that way. Yeah. I, uh, so, yeah. So, the, 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 the white, you know, gentleman <laughs> across the table. Yeah. Um, so, it cuts from all sides. I don't know. I don't want to make it sound like I'm some noble, whatever. Right. But I just honestly, like... Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of elected women in office here. Yeah. Um, the Milwaukee delegation to the legislature is like all guys. and the sure. um, But the Madison delegation is pretty much all women. Yeah. Rob Cole from Monona has a little bit of the corner of the city over there. But yeah. But it's all women. So, it is interesting. Um, I have found that sometimes women can band together and be very successful um, to each other. And then there's other times where they are very catty. And I ran into that. I won't name names. But there's See, definitely, there's definitely mean girls. There's yeah. definitely mean girls. Yeah. Um, and there's a very real sort of territorial element. Um, and like you said, it's politics. And so I, you know, I played tackle football. I took ballet lessons and I took, and I played tackle football as a sure. kid. And I think it's important to understand how to pick yourself back up, how to kind of get na- knocked on your backside and, and pick yourself up and go on to the next, the next fight, the next play. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, women are incredibly effective policymakers because, and I, um, my professor Linda Babcock is really big on gender and negotiation and looking at these issues and, um, women are able to really work and bring people together when they're in these executive positions, but their ability to get to those positions is heavily dominated by gender bias and gender schemas. Hmm. And, you know, so I kind of, I kind of giggled last night when um, Christopher Daly started pulling out like feminist theory in the debate. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, you know, I—it's something that you think a lot about. The other thing that I'll say in terms of why run, you know, it's an uphill battle. Paul's this entrenched, you know, I'll say vindictive incumbent. Why, why run? Why make the fight? Because I have to believe that I, ha- you know, you look at. I look at my cousins and their Facebook pages and all the selfie, the selfie culture. And yeah. like, you have to believe that there's a better and more diverse role models to give young women than just pop stars and models and actresses. Oh, I disagree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to believe that because I'm not seeing three other women waiting in the wings yeah. to run for this Absolutely. position. Yeah. And you look and there's very few women it, there's like two in the state who are mayors or, you know, functionally executives. Sure. Um, we're the second largest city in the in the state. Yeah. So if anywhere there's a point to make a strong progressive stance that we can 
do better and go higher than the sort of standard cookie cutter idea of what it is to be a politician, I think Madison is absolutely the place to do it. Um, I like, especially seeing kind of an an eastern kind of machine politic town, you can cut your teeth here. It doesn't take a lot to run for city council. Yeah, It's a lot of time, but in terms of money and networking and fundraising, you can do it, and you can knock on doors, and you can get out there. And I think it's time to see that grassroots element. I'm frustrated with uh, the Democratic Party where there's a lot of strategy of sort of everybody went all in on Mary Burke mm-hmm. yeah. at the expense of even other candidates on statewide tickets and certainly down tickets. Um, we have to start investing in city councils and county boards, in especially have really competitive races for places like mayor and county executive. I mean, Walker was a county executive out of Milwaukee. Yeah. You know, a great, like, like slam on him I saw the other day was about how he's a, a, he was a mediocre county executive who's risen far beyond his capacity. Yeah, college right? dropout. And so this is where you have to make a stand. You have to invest in these races. And they're they're in the middle of February, and a lot of people do not engage. Yeah. Right? And right now, there's so many people who are so burnt out. And now it's like, I, I don't even want to say round two. We're on like round X of, yeah. of crazy drama coming out of the legislature, especially as it relates to education and the the um, the university system. There's the whole question after this of yeah. what's going to happen with vouchers and our you know our schools. Um, so you have to stand up. You have to show up. You have to run. You have to put out yard signs. The yeah. world does not just exist on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Facebook makes you pay to get your message <laughs> out. True. I will yeah. tell you. Yeah. Uh, and so we have to bring people sort of back to their community. And you know, Robert Putnam wrote his whole bowling alone thing that everybody was really big on um, about how Americans were disengaging in television. And he's supposed to be coming out with a thing for the uh, this sort of social media age. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see how that all comes out because there's very different realities. And right now you have a city that's operating at very different frequencies. Yeah. Part of it is you have people who do not exist online. You have part of it who are people who totally exist online. You have these uh, frequencies. I, I always think of it as like a radio, right? And you're t- like old old school, old sure. school radio. Yeah. And you're t- turning between channels here. Um, you have the folks who were at the debate last night on, uh, you know, on the South Side who are really angry, who are not part of the system, who have been shut out from the system. Yeah. Um, who, and all of these people are having these conversations simultaneously, but not with each other. Mm-hmm. And that has to start to change. And that's sort of where City Hall can really be a switchboard to do that and get everybody together. And it might not be Midwestern nice, right? I think sometimes we, we fall back into, oh, well, but we're trying to be polite Midwesterners. Yeah. I'm sorry. Politics is a mosh pit. Totally. It is. I, I, I feel like people forget how much blood has been shed to have strong democracy in this country. Mm-hmm. It is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And right now, people are so heartbroken over what's happened in the last few years here and we have to pick ourselves up and so you have to stand up you have to run you have to challenge the status quo certainly yeah yeah good so, words all right speaking of not f- for the faint of heart for the faint of heart, our yeah. theme for our next story slam oh. is worst job 
Ah. And so I want, you want to ask what in, my in, in the job last is? couple minutes we yeah. have together here. I was just wondering. I'm everybody's had a bad job. Oh yeah. And, and I'm wondering maybe a, a story about one of your bad jobs. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think. I've had jobs that have been kind of different or weird or like grueling. I've done like I mean, Subway was pretty bad. Oh yeah. Um, yeah I and I, imagine. I was even on the city council uh, when I, um, I wanted to transition from the photo company. Um, I had gotten just kind of stagnant at that job and um, wanted to see what else was out there. And in the interim, then I went for like, I don't know, a month and a half and I worked at Subway. Yeah. And you just walked out of there and you smelled awful. Um, <laughs> when I was 15, I started working at Romps Corner Inn in Sun Prairie, which is not there anymore. Where and was it, that? It's like, it's like on the corner. It's on like just past Bird Street on Main Street. It was like one of the crazy like old school okay. towny bars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it right across from like, uh, it's a Wendy's now. I always think of Hardee's. No, no, no. It was like totally right in the original downtown. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, um that like you I would just come home smelling like cigarette smoke and tartar sauce you know and I was bussing I was like dishwashing and bussing yeah tables to raise money to try to go on a trip to Europe <laughs> um I I worked you know and this was not a bad job but it was definitely like showed you like this is not what I want to do with my life yeah was I worked in the plumbing department for a year in college fun um so I learned a lot of really handy skills yeah right it was very interesting to have like sometimes I would get pulled into the paint department because the ladies would not trust the guys who work in that every day to give them color suggestions. Yeah. And similarly, I like, I would try to help somebody like with their fittings in the, in the fitting aisle and they would want to go find my male like colleague and they would come and basically say the exact same thing that I did, you know, that kind of crap. Yeah. Um, you know, I did a short stint at Capitel. Oh, who hasn't? Right. In Madison, (laughs) everybody. I I, you know. I meet so many people who are like, yeah, I used to work at Captel. I'm yeah. like, yeah, me too. Yeah. I think, I think everybody... Captel was epic before epic. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I hear, I hear for anybody looking for a job, I hear Captel is super hard up. They're looking for really? people. Well, that's because they've gone through the entire yeah. city. Yeah, and people, they, they attract people with that sort of high number yeah. for your starting wage. I think my friend Tim has worked there for like 10, 15 years. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, you know, my worst job, I was thinking about it, uh, speaking of Sun Prairie, my, yeah. my mom used to work for the Sun Prairie Chamber of Commerce. Ah, yes. And, uh... Uh, with the sun. Cornfest. Oh, Cornfest. Cornfest. In, in some prairies. Madison needs more Cornfest. We need more community events that bring everybody together. Absolutely. Uh, so since my when I was a kid, when, yeah. since she worked for the Chamber of Commerce and they put on Cornfest or the city did, whatever, I don't yeah. know. Um, as a kid, I would make a few dollars uh, every summer. Were you shucking corn? No. Uh, after Cornfest, oh, I would clean up. Oh, that sucks. And... I think I say in the in the Facebook event for the upcoming story slam, um, I, I talk about you don't know what you don't want know you don't want to know what it's like to clean up a porta potty after a three day oh. long corn fest. Yeah. It looks like a shepherd's oh. pie from hell. Oh. <laughs> gross. Yeah. So gross. It was pretty bad. That's probably my worst so job gross. is cleaning up porta potties after oh. corn fest. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty bad. You're gonna ruin corn fest for me well, forever. It is what it is. Okay, so then the last question I've got for yeah. you. 
It's a question I've asked every single guest I've had. Okay. Um, Greatest I, rock and roll album of all time. Well, you go ahead and answer that. What do you think? I don't know. That's tricky. That's what the Daily Cardinal would ask all their editors. Because really? it's like, there's no wrong answer. Or, yeah, there's no right answer, but there's a lot of wrong answers. There are a lot of wrong like, answers. The poor guy who said ACDC's back to black, like, he did not get the editorship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what's your question? Okay, my question is always, uh, who's the most interesting person in your phone? Oh. And the way, the way I choose to phrase the Wait, question I got a lot of, I got a is, lot if I was walking down the street and uh-huh. found your phone on the street and uh-huh. I scrolled through the contacts, who would I go, oh, I'm going to call this person? Okay. I'm trying to think here because I have a lot of contacts. Um, I've heard a, I've heard a varying degree of things. I've heard uh-huh. from professors or old friends who are now doctors. Right. Uh, uh, Tom Farley, his answer was... Um, Oh, I know. I'm blanking. Uh, Quincy Jones, the okay. music producer, okay. was was his number one. That's and he had Adam cool. Sandler and David Spade yeah. in there. Uh, and then I've heard mom and dad or my brother, uh, which yeah. are sort of cop-out answers. But, yeah, uh, that, but, those but are I accept it. Answers. I'm trying to think, like, who who's my, like, do I have a power number? A power know. number? I the don't... number you'd call if you got arrested? Is that what a power number no. is? Um, it's more like, like who's like who's like the coolest person in your film? Sure, right? Yeah, yeah. mine um, right now is Kevin Farley. Okay, yeah, who Excellent. is also on the podcast. Excellent. I feel like I definitely have like emails. Like I okay, so this is a little bit of a cop out, but um, so Greg Gillis from Girl Talk, okay. I used to take pictures with him, um, and I actually communicated with him when I was down at South by Southwest this last spring. So that sure. that's kind of that's, that's good, cool. That's a good one. I would love if I you know the total cart before the horse, you know. But um, if I were successful, I'd like to have to in this race for running. I'd like to have like a big inaugural thing, and I totally like invite Greg to oh, come. Oh, good lord, with that would be girl talk. Yeah, talk about blowing the lid off City Hall. Right. I want to. I would love to like kick it off with with girl talk. If my listeners haven't heard of girl talk, you will talk, love. It, he, it, it's it's a one he's guy like a DJ's kind of. He, 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 he DJ's all in real time. This is not yep. like pre-recorded. Like yep. no. I, I I beg of you to go online and, and find. Girl Talk, find his albums. Uh, they're fantastic. He basically mashes up uh, great pop songs and hip hop songs, and they, they are mm-hmm. they're meant to be heard as the whole album is really just one track, and it's fantastic. Oh, I have Mark Pocan's number. Who? Our good congressman. Mark oh yes, Pocan. yes. Looks like I have his number. Um, that's always good. You want to have your congressman on yeah, speed dial. On speed dial, yeah. Um, I'm sort of also going through. You know, I've never like I've had the same phone number since sure, I got sure. a cell phone. You never cleaned it out. And I just keep accumulating numbers. Well, and now, I don't ever delete them. Somebody said to me. So I have like all these people from weird points in my life. So, that, somebody said to me now w- when you get an email from somebody, it adds their their phone number to your oh, contact list. Oh, so it's like uh, cra- my phone doesn't do that, thank God. But uh, yeah, so so you got Mark there. And then, yeah. uh, the, and then you got girl talk. Yeah, I mean, but for two- email, for email, I'd say my coolest like contact. Sure, I did have one experience when I was doing music photography, and I was working for the Onion here in Madison with the AV Club, and I was going down there. I some intern gave me the internal phone list for all of the Summerfest acts. Oh, okay. And I called to get credentials from for Weezer. Yeah. And it was like actually like the A and R rep in yeah. I'm sure some fancy glass office who like. <laughs> You could just hear from the tone of his voice. He's like, how did this person yeah. get my number? Like, who 
who gave it out. So that that was kind of cool. That's a good one. Um, I think I still have that in my email somewhere. So yeah. if I ever, you know, so maybe Girl Talking Weezer. So, there you right? go. I, but you look at the advances of what it, what yeah, somebody right. like that would right. want. Um, you know, I... Uh, I that I had, could be your fa- first act as mayor, yeah. to rearrange their budget. To, <laughs> to, well, okay, to so I do have party. a cool idea. Yeah. Um, so Freak Fest, I was involved with setting up Freak Fest. Yeah. And I think that that's a real opportunity for the city to look at for funding arts, public arts. Sure. Uh, we'd probably have to do it as a, uh, a vol- like a voluntary donation because by law you can't charge. I, I, I that would be one of those internal things that I I don't want to really talk about on air. Yeah, but, no. But yeah. There's some things to straighten out about how that's structured yeah. that I think could have real benefit to the community. And totally. There's so much more. I also would like, you know, sort of esoteric like cool things from Madison that I think would be really neat to get the ball rolling on. I'd love to see like a Leo Viral installation under Monona Terrace in mm-hmm. the dark, the dark like drive pass. I yeah. want to see a really cool like light art installation. Yeah. Um, especially in, dare I say, in light of uh, covering up the mural when sure. that was built. Yeah. So I'd like to, re- you know, so, but we're, you know, in, of all the things that we need to be spending money on, lights under Monona Terrace is not like at the top of the list. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. No. Um, there's like all, there's all kinds of like really cool ideas of things that we could do. But again, that's where you partner with folks in the community. Yeah. Because I think that there's a bully pulpit and a very real microphone when you're mayor that you can bring really neat, dynamic things together for your city. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the city has to be on the line for the, for the expense and for the cost. Yeah. There's other things that the city can participate in, in, in facilitating how that all comes together and the permits and the licensing. Um, so I think that those are probably my, my cool, well, my that, cool those hit are good answers. I, I know you got a, a place to get to. I do. And we're running short on time. But so, real quick, one yeah. last thing. Sure. In one sentence, uh, your plan to make Madison the best city in the world. Yeah. <laughs> to fix every problem we have. One sentence, mind you. To fix every problem we have. And I'm totally just busting your balls here. I know. <laughs> I know. But people keep asking me this. They really want like a one sentence of how do you solve all the world's well, problems. Well, I won't, I won't make you answer that. We, right. we can end it here. So, I, uh, Bridget, when is, uh, when is the primary vote? The primary is in less than two weeks, oh, especially man. whenever it is you are listening to this. Uh, this will go up tonight. Ah, uh, so good. Know. Okay. February 17th. Yep. Uh, polls are open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Oh, man. And I need you to show up. I won, I won my first primary by 20 votes. Okay. Uh, there's a five-way race. This is going to be like that yeah. again. Yep. It's also February. It's cold out. People don't think about coming out. Yeah. Uh, very soon, you should be seeing uh, my yard signs. If you are listening to this and say, I would love to have a punk rock mayor, um, and you'd like a magenta uh, yard sign, uh, go on my website. It's BridgetForMadison.com. We've got a fabulous uh, sign up there. Um, I will also say, if anybody's out there listening and wants to donate to someone who would not have to take a pay cut to be mayor, uh, you can go on the website also and donate to the to the race. Uh, we are working hard. Um, when I first ran for council, uh, my first finance report, I barely cleared a thousand dollars. Yeah. But I came through the primary. Yeah. And uh, the day after the primary, it's a whole different kind of race. So we're structuring this right now. We we work hard. We outrun everybody on the field, and we uh, and we win 
this thing, and then we go on and we take on Paul. Yeah. And I'm, I want I want the fight. We got, we got a lot to fight about. We got a lot to talk about, and I want to continue. <laughs> it'll this. Be, it'll be a, it'll be a good uh, a good fight, no no doubt. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, taking care of a little family business here now. Just so you guys know, our next story slam is Friday, February twenty seventh, and like I said, our theme is worst job. So if you've had a bad job, which I know you have, come to uh, John's Public House that night, and that's 908 East Johnson, and sign up and tell a story. You can find us on Facebook at Madison Story Slam. Search that. On Instagram and Twitter, it's Story Slam Addison. Like, that's how you'd spell it. Like, Story Slam Addison. I don't know why I did that. Oh, it's weird. Anyway, um, and then our guest next week is supposed to be the comedian Dan Soder. You have seen him on Conan and uh, The Guy Code, I believe. Uh, So look for that next week. And I think that's all I've got. Uh, Keep living lives that have that are worth talking about and telling me stories because that's what we want. Anyway, again, Bridget Maniachi, who's running for mayor, thank you so much for being here. Mm -hmm.